0: Thank you, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus. Thank you for your love and grace. More particularly, in showing us your mind as to what you requested from us. So that we would not continue to grope in darkness. We are so excited because now we know what you actually demand from us. And not just that you are demanding too hard or too much that uh, we would not have power to be able to provide. But that by your grace, you have shown us that which you want. And much more, you empower us to be able to do that which you have requested for. So you are the one calling us and you are the one giving us the power to respond. So thank you, Father. But lord there is a demand and a desire to stand with you on same platform and receive grace for this in the name of our lord jesus show us the truth of your word so that we can bring man to the reality we have come into in you in the name of your son we ask all this without wasting much of the time I feel it is necessary we trust God to bring us into the depths of his world this very hour. And once again this morning, I want to give a consideration to the same thing I have considered in time past. I want to look at how we can delve into all of God's resources, especially as he had made available for us. The fact is that God is hiding nothing from us. In Ephesians chapter 1, Apostle Paul said he had made known to us the mystery of his will. According to the counsel of his own will. Or sometimes he will say according to the pleasure of his will. So, it is God's delight that we know what he wants from us. It's a good thing that the child knows the delights of his father. Hallelujah. So basically, um, this morning I want us to see how that we may need to cooperate with God in helping him to fulfill his intentions for life. In cooperating with him so that, that which he has a mind can be fulfilled in our life. So, I will quickly speak on what I have titled life in the spirit. The fact is that we can't live the God kind of life without the Holy Ghost. As a matter of fact, it's God's kind of life. So, it takes him who is giving us the life. To leave it, you know, a good example is seen when a man bites an electronics, especially if it were to be one he's not so used to, or the one he had not used before. You know that such a man we greatly depends on the manual for him to operate whatever at abort okay in the same way we have not lived this life before it's a god kind of life for the past 3 10 15 20 30 40 50 60 of 60 years of life you have lived your own natural life now there is a call out of that life just as god called abraham out of the all of shaddins to the land that we show him so he's calling you out of the life you once lived into another life so it takes him who is calling you to show you how you need to live the life and i'm very glad to tell you that all that god requested from you had been made known in fact that that brings me to a sense of rest i'm not just pasting after shadows I'm not just trying to plead with God to please accept me, or trying to bribe my way so that I can be accepted from Him. Now I know that in His love, He had revealed to me that which He wants from me, and funnily, that which He wants from me is not too grievous. I mean, it's not too expensive that I cannot afford. He had made His requirement to be as simple as that. All it requires from me is my heart, my agreement with Him. And after the agreement, then I've got to align myself in that I yield to what is doing in my life. So I will speak on what I've tied to the life and the spirit. And the point I'm trying to express is that you've got to see that there is a dimension of grace. In God, you have got to step into. What I'm driving at is that you've got to begin to depend on God for more discipline to keep focus on him. Because if I thought we are going to live effectively as believers, as he has called us to be, or as adopted children of God, that is that, that now he had made us soon. If I thought we want to maximize all that he had in mind when he called us, because actually he had some things in mind. If at thought he had done that, that but in, in, if I thought we are going to work in the reality, of this reality, this accomplished reality, then it meant that we have got to keep focus on Him who us. You know, a practical example is this is the case of Jesus and Peter. They left Christ at one side of the region because He wanted to pray and He prayed all night. He wouldn't come to meet them. Meanwhile, they had to uh, put their boat so close to the sea but because of the wave of the sea they we have, have carried the, the, the boat from the um seashore to the depth of the sea that is they have moved from the um from the tip of the shore from from this from the shore into um some far distance away from the shore and here now is Christ who wanted to meet with them there is no way he could reach them there was no mobile phone so he couldn't call so what did he do he had to walk on water not because he wanted to show he had power A situation warranted it. And he had to. And this is my Lord. Walking on the water. And when the disciples saw him. They were so scared. They started screaming. They thought it was a ghost. And you know what that means? That is death. And nobody wants to die. And after all. They were just in the middle of their days. They have families. So, just like you and I we do, they screamed. And one of them, so audacious, called Sifa and said, okay, now, if it were you, Lord, because Christ had to let them on the one. So, in order to be sure that it was Christ, he said, look, if it were you, now, command me to do in the same dimension you had done. And I asked him to come. So, he jumped. And really, he walked on water. But the scripture drew our attention to something that we should never be victims of. The Bible said that he began to look at the storm, at the wind, at the contradictions, at the contrary Circumstance around him and right from that point he began to sink so when the believers begin to look into himself begin to see that what makes him to be able to stand with god is his own strength his own discipline his own zeal you see those people fade off you see them fizzle out you see them degenerate into their previous lives and that is why apostle Paul keep iterating especially in in in, in scriptures like uh, Romans chapter 2 chapter 3 chapter 4 chapter 5 in Ephesians chapter chapter 2 he began to lay great emphasis on the fact that a believer is saved not in his own strength because all his works all his labors all his skill all his expertise all his exposure all his good works everything he could he could summon together would not even qualify so, he has nothing to offer God. So, now that he had received this provision God had given to him, he had to keep depending on God. And that's very key. Hallelujah. Masando so, you have got to see God, to keep attention on him. You know, one of the core scriptures I'm going to be showing you is Romans chapter chapter 8 verse 5. Apostle Paul said that those who walk in the flesh do walk in the flesh because they set their mind on the things of the flesh. In other words, they give attention to. And said so those who walk in the spirit must in the same vein pay attention to the spirit of God. Little one that God told Joshua. In Joshua 1, it said, Look, guy, if I told you want to walk within the dimension Moses walked, then the book of this law will not depart from the mouth. So there is a mechanism by which God drives out that which he had in mind. No doubt God had planned for us. No doubt he lost us. No doubt he had adopted us by his grace. No doubt he had put the spirit of his son in our spirit. But then how do we walk in this reality that such, such that we walk in this world without any flaw body soul and spirit we are so sure that god I mean, through Jesus Christ, had saved us from the present life. And that he had saved us from the guilt of the past, from the pains of the past, from the fear of the past, from the uh, shortcomings of the past, because we have actually fallen short of his glory, of all he had in store for us. We cannot step into what he had in store But now he qualified us. Colossians chapter 1, by his own grace, to come into the same every time the saint walked in. But then, how do we continue from where he had brought us? If His grace had brought us this far, then it meant that there is a need to continuously depend on that grace to take us further. And that is why I like what I claim to be the climax of Apostle Paul's letter. In that He showed us from Romans chapter 1 to 5 how that m- a man cannot merit God's righteousness. That is, Cannot actually please God. A way of saying cannot actually meet up to God's requirements. Okay. Or meet up to God's demands of um, how he wants us to coordinate our lives. Except by faith in Christ. So, faith is the requirement. And then, or, or you can say faith is the condition. And grace is the source. Everything we come to enjoy, we never labor for. We never merit it. But then how do we progress in this? That we don't allow pride to enter into that which God hath called us. So that we would not, like the Galatians thought, that what they had begun in the spirit, we can accomplish in the flesh. We have got to depend on the spirit of God. And that's what Christ said. In the synoptic account of John, I mean the synoptic account, yes, the, that is the gospel, according to John, that when the Holy Ghost come, I think I'm quoting from verse, chapter 16, if I'm not wrong, or 17, either of those two scriptures, if time will permit us we will see it properly. He will convince the world of sin. And not just the world of sin. It's not just making sinners to see that they have heard God's law, but that in making them see that, he actually brings them to God. And when the they receive or when they have received the righteousness of God, he still continues working on them. He will also convince the word of righteousness because I go to the Father. So the Holy Ghost was not just working with the believer at the point of salvation. He picks him from that point on. So God had made known to us the mystery of his will. What he want from us? He want us to be righteous. And righteous means decay you a man as he ought to be in God, not in himself. As he ought to be in God, not by the demands of his society, not by the values, I mean, the acceptable behaviors in the society. Regardless of the class of man he is, whether an illiterate uh, or illiterate, whether a learned or an unlearned person, whether a Cynthia or a Greek, whether a barbarian or a Greek, whoever he is, whether he's is rich or poor, So I want to press upon your heart the need to constantly keep your mind on the things of God by the Spirit of the living God. I want you to see the need for you to keep focus on the Spirit of God at all times, at all costs, in all circumstances. That's why we save you. We can't independently work with God without the Holy Ghost. That the truth of the gospel. We must acquaint ourselves with it. However, it is worthy to mention that God is spiritually simple. He's not a tax master. He's not demanding from us the which we cannot actually give to him. He only demands that which he had put on the inside. I like Romans chapter, chapter 8, verse 3. The Bible says that what the Lord could not do, in that it was weak to do, God helped us by allowing his son to do. He made him to appear as a imam form and to put off that which had held us bound. And then, so that the righteous requirement. Now, what I'm Make a reference to in that scriptures is the word righteousness. That is the the just requirement, the 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 uh, logical requirement, the rational requirement. The norms of God can be fulfilled in us. So the Law of Moses, is the norms of God, God norms for the believers, and that's why it's requiring what he calls justice or righteousness, as God's creatures demand. That's the reason of Christ's death, to restore us to God. You know, you can't talk of salvation without talking about four things. Number one, you talk about the forgiveness of sin, which we receive by the blood of Christ. That is, by our faith in that blood. Now, after which we talk about the deliverance from sin. He didn't just forgive my sin, but still make me to be surreptible. I mean, to be, um, um, how do I put it? To still be liable to sin. But after he forgave my sin, he gave me the ability to stay away from it. Oh, glory be to God. And as a result of that, I have a mind that is free of guilt. Okay? So, he gave me forgiveness, he gave me deliverance from sin, then he gave me victory from sin. You know, you can be delivered from something, but you don't have victory by it. It's just like, uh, two persons that are fighting, the other one wrong... uh, The other party, and they kept fighting. Then somebody got there, then asked them what happened. Then they narrated the story. So the other one had to apologize to the one that was offended, and they became calm. Then separated them. Now the separation is the deliverance of one from the other, so that they will stop struggling, so that they can be reconciliation or they can be peace. But then you know, the it, it, it may not actually. Free the other guy in that after separating them, which is a kind of deliverance, okay, from each other, okay, that it does not even empower the other, and such that if there is such an attack, he can forestall or stand against the one that is coming to assault him. And that reminds me of several years ago, when I was in the primary school, to be precise, I think primary to school So there used to be a girl in the class that bullies me. She pinches me. She she threatens me and then she squeezes her face to scare me and I used to be scared of her when she slapped me I couldn't I was just a dummy she bullied me so much I, I was just so depressed whenever I'm going to spend the money I'm always afraid of her. Okay, the one day I had to tell my other brother very painful my other brother have gone to be with the Lord so early but it's nothing that we can do the Lord took him so I told my other brother my other brother told me what to do say whenever he. She tries to threaten me. I should should, should react. React not just by reporting to the teacher, but that whatever she does to me, I should forestall. That is through my heart. And as I was doing that, she stopped harassing me. That is victory. And by that victory, I have freedom. Okay? So, then, the fourth thing we got by redemption is a place in God. So, Jesus' death brought forth things. One, forgiveness of sin. Now, I am saved. The Bible did not say that you, are, you will be saved by faith. It said you are saved by faith through grace. Or you are saved by grace through faith. So, it is a reality and accomplished complete faith. And that includes that I am delivered from everything that had harassed me personally. And that is harassing mankind. In other words, a believer is not just saved from a sin. he's saved from an habitual sin also. And that's why the Bible says that whoever is born of God does no sin. He has no habit of sin. There is something now in him that repulses. So he's forgiven his sins. He's delivered from it forever. Oh, glory be to God. That is exacting. To be delivered means to be free from the authority of, from the bondage of. They give us victory to live above it. Such that we, even when we live in an atmosphere that is so perverted, that is so corrupted, that is so uh, sensitive and sin-producing, we will live in that atmosphere without having the influence of sin of our own because we have another reality. Then he gave us freedom, he gave us deliverance, then he gave us a place in God. That not that we are only forgiven, we are only delivered, but we are brought to God to serve as slaves. But that now we have a place in God as children. So God is not complex. So he had really made our work with him to be practically easy and simple. He had made his requirement From all simple and easy. Such that you don't you you don't and you can't doubt it. First John 5 3. First John. Hallelujah. First John Chapter 5 verse 3. Hallelujah. I'm going to read from here. First chapter 5. I'm going to read from the King James Version. First chapter 5, verse 3. Hallelujah. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. That is, they are simple. They are pretty easy for us. For whoever is born of God, verse 4, overcome the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even his faith. Now, when we talk about our faith, we are not talking about faith as the Indian act. That they believe in something they want to receive. That's not the faith in Christ now. The level of faith you operate in Christ is pretty different from that. And it's not the kind of a faith the apostles had before the death of Christ. They believed he was the son of God, but they never believed in his blood because blood, his blood had not been shed. So we are not just believing that Christ is a, is, is a miracle worker, or Christ can heal, or Christ can raise the dead, or Christ um, had um, a superpower. Okay? And it's, it's not the kind of faith the devil had. The Bible said the devil believed God and it trembles. That is from the book of James. And in all the synoptic, you see Christ will come into an encounter with demons and they will confess that he is the Son of God, Well, those faiths never saved them. But the faith we have now is the faith in the blood, the faith in the death, the faith in the resurrection, and the life he had impacted us with. And the scripture says that, look, this is not grievous. And this is the victory that we have faith that Christ suffered for us. He died a wee death. What he did for me was a substitution. He took my place entirely. I think I did a a jotting. I would. I've loved. I showed. I show you. Okay. I had a jotting. I would have loved to show you when I was studying today. I made some jottings. All right. I just want to I, w- I want to show you what Christ have done. Christ paid the debt once. And that is all. So God is not accounting any sin against me any longer. And that's the scriptures. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 1. That God is in Christ reconciling the world to himself very interesting part of it says that now it's no longer accounting sins to those who believe it does not record sins so those who told you that hey on the day of uh, reckoning and it's time before god, god will bring a book and begin to flap through and begin to see your previous sins there's not like that in April chapter 10 the scripture says that your iniquities i will remember no more so when somebody calls and tells you uh, come and confess your previous life oh, uh, because if you don't confess, something are happen to you. You tell the person, but God Himself had forgotten. All he demands from his faith in Christ. So the debts I owe was paid once, just as you pay the debt you owe once. You don't pay your creditor twice. Once you pay him, like my mother used to say, debt as one to debt. I, I mean Dead, dead to be owing. It has one And once you pull it out, you pull it out forever. So the price that Christ paid, he paid it once for me. And that is all. So God no longer seeks me as a criminal, He seeks me in Christ. And that's what the scripture tells us. Uh in, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5. The scripture that says that he had made me accepted in the beloved. That is, when he seeks me, he seeks me in Christ. And it deals with me on that basis. You know, in John chapter 3, we saw that the heaven was open, and a voice came from heaven saying or attesting or affirming that Christ is the Son of God in whom God is pleased. So God is pleased in one person in the world, and that's, that is Christ. And now that Christ had laid down his life for me, now that he seeks me, he seeks me in the beloved. So, this question that he had made me to be accepted in the beloved, and said that my responsibility now is not to complain that he will deliver me, but that now I will praise the glory of his grace, the beauty, the capacity, the strength of his grace that had saved me. Hallelujah! So then it's very necessary to mention that Christ did not just take your place alone. He didn't just die for you alone. He forgave your past lives, I mean your past sins. He cleansed you from the present errors and gave you the power to stand perfectly before God without any flaw. So salvation includes four things like I've mentioned. It includes forgiveness of sin. It includes deliverance from sin. It includes victory over sin and a place in God. So a Christian does not and cannot sin. Although he has flaws, but he does not sin. Although he makes mistakes, he has errors, he does not sin. Because now he has the nature of God. And that is why Christ is the goal of the scriptures. That as we see God in Christ, we are able to understand the Father. And as we see the Father, we are able to appreciate what Christ has done for us. Then we are able to stand perfectly before him. But then, guy, you need the Holy Ghost. So, Christ is the goal of the scriptures, not your finances. Romans chapter 1. Verse 1 and 2. Apostle Paul said that God had called me and had separated me to the gospel of Christ, which is concerning his son Jesus Christ, who was of the seed of David according to the flesh, but but declared to be the son of God by power. So the gospel is concerning Jesus Christ. So the scriptures must be about Christ. So Christ is the focus of all the scriptures. And that's seen in Luke chapter 24. After the resurrection, the scripture says that Christ took all the disciples through the scriptures and from Moses and all the scriptures, he showed them things concerning himself. Then he scolded them that they are stupid because they could not see that all of the scriptures were written for him. So Christ is the focus of the scriptures, Christ is the theme of the scriptures. Christ is the aim of the scriptures. Christ is the central idea, I mean the message of the scripture. So the believers are called to preach Christ, the only hope of the world, and to disciple mankind for him. But we need the Holy Ghost to do this. So let me quickly move to the second phase of this teaching. And that is, that I want to challenge you to focus on how you can develop intimacy with the Holy Ghost. Apostle Paul, which we carry three things about, he wishes that they become mobile with us. He calls the first the grace of God, which had already saved us. He calls the second one the reality of the love of God, which is the manifestation of the grace in the first place. And the third thing he called is the fellowship with the Holy Ghost. And to make the most use of your work with the Holy Ghost, you have got to keep your attention on him. You have got to keep your mind on him. You've got to admire him. Hallelujah. So I want to focus on how we can walk in the spirit. How we can get along with God. How we can walk in the spirit. How we can stay in touch, keep in tune, keep focus on God. Because that's where the strength of of the believers lies. The fact is that the strength of a Christian, I mean a child of God, is not in his aggressive prayers. It's not in his intellect, in his skills, in his ultras, in his literacy, in his oracy, in his university degree, in his intelligence. In its wits, in its relationship. In its outspokenness. His greatest strength is in the spirit. And it comes by the spirit. And that's the more reason Apostle Paul wrote to those efficient Christians in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10. He said, finally brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his mind. Take on you the whole armor." The whole, not some. The whole. So what strengthens the believer is in being guarded in God. And that's why we don't make incisors. We don't use any jars or any juju for protection. We solely depend on God's protection. Hallelujah. So there is a need for the believer to constantly rely on the Holy Ghost those who walk in the spirit that is my main text they have got to keep their mind never you forget that before that verse 5 the scripture had told us that we are weak and while we are weak and for what we are weak for that is in that God knows that we are not capable to do what is required. he enabled us but to maximize this enablement there is a constant need to constantly look to the Father. So, Apostle Paul showed us how to accomplish the above statement I've said so far, which is that how we can walk in the Spirit, how we can mortify the flesh, how we can maximize God's grace, how we can make the most of God, how we can enjoy God forever. Hallelujah. He showed us how we can live above the flesh. But before then, he first showed us the nature of the flesh. He recognizes the flesh to be uh, the expression of the human nature that even a man himself cannot control. The expression of the human nature that is more powerful than man himself, that which man can't control. He causes the fruit of of the flesh or the works of the flesh. He causes unrighteousness. He causes the old man. Christ himself causes the art of a man. He said he's desperately wicked. He causes the whole wine skin. The natural man in some places in the scriptures. Like in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. So, this natural man is called the flesh. And it's not on the body. It's not on the outside. It's on the inside. Sometimes in, in Romans chapter 5, it causes another law, another force, another drive. It causes the inner man. Actually, when you use the word inner man, you uses it, use it to mean the spirit of a man. But then in his state, in his regenerate state, it's called the natural man. So, In living in the spirit, we have got to be conversant with who we became in Christ and the implication of all we became in Christ. So, Apostle Paul enjoys you to walk in the spirit, and what is the result of walking the spirit? He told us in galatians chapter 5 that you will not be controlled by your appetite by your inclinations by your selfish desires by your assumptions by your emotions by your fleshy drives so the flesh is the emotions the inclinations the, the, the 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 assumptions the senses the logic the reasonings of men so to walk in the spirit you have got to depend on the spirit and check it Walking in the spirit is not closing your eyes and walking imaginatively, or trying to shut some things out, or trying to empty your mind, or trying to labor or set targets for yourself. You'll be utterly disappointed because that's the work of the flesh, that is an attempt in the flesh. Apostle, because the dependence. The reliance, the yieldedness to the spirit of the living God. All we have got to do is to constantly stay with the word of God. To constantly stay praying or to constantly stay fasting. Sometimes worship. Stay in an atmosphere that stays up the presence of God. And after that presence is there, we keep our gaze on it by meditating the scriptures. Those who will walk in the spirit. And the advantage of working in the spirit is that that is the only provision on earth yet to live above sin. To live above the human nature. You know, there are people who just complain of the fact that the anger is so is, is, is so fierce that they can't control it whenever it takes hold of them. There are people who are complaining of, of some habitual sins such as masturbation, such as smoking, drinking, such as immorality, and all those kind of evils. And the Reality, God said, Look, the problem of man is not those evil, the problem of man is that he has shifted his attention away from God and no longer can he live as he ought to, except Jesus Christ. So, walk in the spirit, Galatians chapter 5, you will not fulfill the laws of the flesh. So, all the improper, inordinate affections can be checked, because that's the meaning of the lost, inordinate affections. And if there's anything anybody desire in the world, is to come to that situation when he's totally free, from the harassment of his own emotions, from the grip and the influence of his own soul, Everybody strives to attain a, a state of morality and serenity. A state of faultlessness. A state of perfection. A state of discipline. And distinction in character. <laughs> but check it there. This is a reality. That is, able po- that is only possible rather by the spirit of the living God. And that's what they say, God. So now, how do we walk in the Spirit? Very simple. By focusing on God with the Spirit. Because He deals with us by His Spirit. And the Spirit is that which you cannot see. And that's why in God's basic requirements in dealing with you, it demands faith. But then after your faith, there is a need to constantly Work in the Spirit. Depend on the Holy Ghost. And why is that necessary? Because of what Jesus declared to us in John chapter 6. 63 three or so. He says, the body profits nothing. The word I speak is a spirit. And life to you. That is, it energizes you. It empowers you. Again, in John chapter 4, in his encounter with that woman who came to Jacob's world to drink, he told that woman, "Say, woman, it's not about worshipping a particular location or not. It's about knowing the nature of the father, that this father you are dealing with is not a monster. It's not a giant. It's not a whale. is a spirit. Oh, Galamandisha. And he had made you of such nature. Genesis 1-26, God made man his own image. So, if God is a spirit, you are a spirit. So, how do you contact God? You contact him by thy spirit. And check it. The spirit of a natural man is dead, so he can't contact God. Second Corinthians chapter 2, Apostle Paul said that a natural man cannot take the things of God. It is foolishness unto him. Neither can he, because they are spiritually patterned. But then, Ephesians chapter 2 says that those of us who are dead in our trespasses, he has quickened. Now, to walk quick means to make alive again. So, for you to walk in the spirit, first you need salvation in Christ. Because it is in Christ you are made alive. So, God is a spirit and he has to quicken you. Christ said, the day is coming and now it is that those who are in their grave will hear the voice of the Son of Man and they will be brought to resurrection. So a man is quickened when the voice of Christ is at home in him, when he has received the voice of Christ. And how does that happen? 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 2, Apostle Paul said, I declare unto you the salvation, the gospel that I preached to you that Christ died for you and said that in this you believe and you stand so in romans chapter 10 also say faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of god in first peter chapter 1 peter repeats the same that what brings a man into god's provision that quickens his spirit that re, that reunited him or unites him with god is that he receives this gospel and what is this gospel that christ died for you it's that simple And that's how you receive the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. So we walk in the Spirit by constant dependence on the Holy Ghost. And how do we do this? Without the personal time with the Father. You know? He takes the presence of God. To actually keep focusing on God, because He's not a human. He's not a human being. You can see Him, you can touch Him, like Moses in 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 Hebrews chapter eleven. The Bible said that He saw Him that is invisible. That is the work of spirit, seeing Him that is invisible, not just by imagination. It's not. It's not a psycho power. I'm not trying, and God is not trying to tell you to summon your psychological power to, to increase your level of using your imagination to see God's spirit. You don't imagine God. You con- You contact him by his word and in his world. Because he had made himself known in his world. So there is no walk in the spirit without the word of God. So we don't walk in the spirit by closing our eyes we don't walk in the spirit by emptying our minds we don't walk in the spirit by isolating ourselves from the public you know that some people will believe that well the world is so corrupted and the only way they can live perfectly is to isolate themselves and that's why you see them they are not outgoing they don't contact people they don't relate with people they are they are they they are they they are not they are not just relating with people because they believe that all men are evil and for them to keep being spotless in this world, they have got to separate themselves. No, you don't. If as a matter of fact, a believer is not to separate himself from the unbelievers because that is the person he's sent to. So you don't attain this by isolation, by long prayers. But you attain it by constantly coming to the atmosphere where the word of God has been taught. That's the laboratory of God. Hallelujah. So the fact is that you can be in the world and not be of the world. You can be in the world and not be contaminated. The scripture says that we are in the world, we are not of the world. John chapter 7, Christ praying for us. Say, look, preserve them by the word, The world is truth, Although they are in this world, I do not pray you take them out of the world. But I should preserve them and say, for their sake, I sanctify myself. Hallelujah. Glory be to God forevermore. Hallelujah. Oh, bless God forevermore. You know, I read a story in a book titled The Illustrations of the Bible. How that a man went to... A telephone boat to contact a friend which who is at, I mean, in another part of the state. And there was a noise around. So, as I was talking to the other friend on the other side, he couldn't hear him. The noise kept on breaking the communication. And because of the breakage of communication, he couldn't hear him. He screamed the friend and said, look, I can't hear you. Then the friend instructed him, he guy, if you want to hear me, shut the door. Slam it closed. Shut out the noise. And as he shut out the noise, he could hear. That's what it means to walk in the spirit. Shutting out the noise. Shutting out the noise of your soul. Shutting out the noise of your mind. Shutting out the noise of your emotions. Shutting out the noise of your feelings, of your drives. Being calm. God will help us to be disciplined enough to do this. And as soon as he finished calling, he stepped out of that telephone booth. Although there was still noise all around, but now it's so clear what he had been told. That should be the attitude of the believer. So, it is possible you also surround yourself with much of God that you don't hear the noises in the world, that you shut out the noise in order to pay attention to God, shut out your soul, shut out your emotions. Walking in the spirit is not working in your imagination. You know, some people believe that walking in the spirit is a call to a set of reserved believers, or to a set of some or, of some devoted believers, or a, a call to some specific, great, special, far good disciples of Christ. Some even think it is working in the cloud. Some even think it's a good sense of judgment, a certain way of talking, certain way of dressing. But how wrong and erroneous have they been? Am I afraid that you are not thinking that way too? So, how do I work in the Spirit? We do by the help of the Holy Spirit alone. And not with your own struggles. Yet, you can't do this without your willingness and your concentration. Your concentration and your concentration all together. To work in the Spirit, we have got to set our attention on the things of the Spirit. And really, it is quite amazing that God needs our mind to keep focus on Him if at all is going to do all that which He has put in place. If at all is going to rule us, if at all is going to influence you for the best kind of life He wants you to live. Apostle Paul said, to be sensually minded, that is to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life. So, he said that to work in the spirit, you have got to set your mind on God. Hallelujah. Setting your mind on God. Setting your attention on God. I like the way David said, said, I have said the Lord always before me. He's at my right and then I can't be moved. I have said the Lord on my holy mountain. Hallelujah. So we, we, we set our mind on God. And by so doing, we are able to work with him. so what are those things in particular we set our mind on number one on the finished works of christ number two on his grace which is our liberty number three on his word we constantly abide by his word number one number four we stay in his presence worshiping There are times we just only come into an atmosphere, and all we do is just to sit quietly and perhaps listen to to, to music playing to our ears. Such times we not even need to say anything, it's just to saturate our being with the presence of God. It's not in the music, but the music stimulates it. As a matter of fact, the scripture says that God inhabits the presence of his people. So, believer must keep consistent attention on Christ's finished work. For him to keep the fire burning. Because, you know, this work in the Spirit can't be possible without meditation. And to meditate means to ponder, to stay in the place where you think over and over, to, to, to reflect over and over that which God had in place for you, I like Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says that be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove that which is good and pleasing, that it is acceptable to God. So, how do you please him? You keep your attention to my you on him, you keep renewing, and how do you keep renewing, you keep seeing scriptures in your mind, and you keep meditating on that and check it. You can't be meditating, and even somebody walk naked before you, and you see that person. That although you are in this world, you are seeing the father. So we keep our attention on our freedom. And look, look, when we talk about the Christian's freedom, we are not just talking about freedom to live anyhow. Because some people believe that, hey, that freedom must be, I don't have regard for anybody. At least you didn't save me. And you're not the Christ who died for me. So I'm not obligated to you. That's wrong. I like what John Wesley said. He said, the believer is called to salvation in Christ, which includes forgiveness of sin. Deliverance from sin. And an obligation to work virtuously, To work in good character. That we work in good character. Does not mean that we are saved by the good character. But it's a requirement. It's an obligation. So the freedom of the believer is not. Carefreeness. It's not freedom from loss. Look at what the apostle Paul said. He said look we do not cancel the law he so said we established it so that the righteous requirement can be in us we don't seek to do the laws or the requirements so that we can be justified we are justified because we believe in christ but then we still know what the law says and we will not break it so freedom is not disregard for authorities it's not disregard for the acceptable values. It's not disregard for disciplines. It's not disregard for your leaders. The scripture says in Romans chapter 5 that this liberty is freedom from that which had held us bound. And that is the traditions of the Father. That had made the word of God of, effect, of no effect. That had made us to be so confused as to what God requires from us. So, there is something that had held you bound such that you cannot live as God wanted you to live. So, what that freedom is all about is that it gives me liberty from that which had held me bound. That's very key. And what is that thing, really? Freedom from the law of sins, freedom from the old man, freedom from the flesh. I will show you three scriptures as I round off. And those scriptures showed us how we can break free from all inadequacies, all human fraughtiness and flaws. How we can live above human, I mean natural tendencies. Such that we can walk in the spirit by giving attention to God without any distractions so that we can walk with God by placing more emphasis on his word so that we can walk with God by being more sensitive to his stirrings to his leading our spirit now let's see Romans chapter 8 from verse 3 tonight we're going to read Romans chapter 8 3 to 9 Hallelujah, Father. Thank you for this time. Romans chapter 8, Hallelujah, 3 to 9. For what the Lord could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, because of sin, on the account of sin. Condemn sin in the flesh. That is, take away sin out of the flesh. Now, the flesh is not your body. The flesh is an intangible aspect of you, it is a spiritual part of you, it is an inner man. Sometimes, Paul, we metaphorically describe it to be the old man. A man that is alienated from the life of God. A man whose understanding is darkened. A man who does not have access to God. And the nature of that man is stated in Galatians chapter 5. I'm going to go there very soon so we can know that man. That so when it is flowing out of you, you know that this is not the father and this can't be the father. And you have got to be dead to such, you have got to block every doorways by which there is a flow and check it. Even garbages in the communities is work of the flesh, those fruitless. Use of expressions. I mean usage of expressions. Carelessness in the choice of words. Being quick tempered. So it says, look, Christ had taken away sin. So the problem of the believer is not sin. The problem of the believer is lack of attention on the finished works. Now, why had Christ taken away the sin? Verse 4 says that that did that the righteousness of the law, that the right thing the Lord wants us to come into, that how the Lord wants us to so connect our life, can now be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Now, check the word, after the spirit. We, now, to be after means to follow, to pay attention, to regard, to submit to, to yield to, to allow to lead that the righteousness, now the righteousness is the righteousness of the law, the right intentions of the law, the corrections of the law, the transformation the law wants to bring about, the teaching of the law, the justice the law wants to teach us may now be fulfilled in us, but it will be fulfilled because we no longer work by emotions, we don't no longer allow our senses to rule us but we walk after. Now, the word after means by the passion, by the drive of the Spirit. Verse 5. For they that are after the flesh, do mind the things of the flesh, and they that are after the spirit, do mind the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded, that is to be sexually driven, is death will kill you, but to be spiritually minded that is, to set your mind on the things of God is life and peace because the carnal mind is enemy against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither in it can be, for they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Who are not in constant de- Dependence on the Holy Ghost cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh. That's the reality. So, being in the Spirit and walking in the Spirit is pretty easy. How? By faith in Christ. Look at that verse 9. Say, say, look, you are not in the flesh. Not because you pray so well. Not because you spend more time in the church. Not because you read more of scriptures. Not because you've learned so many memory verses. Not because you gave much arms. But said that you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. In other words, you have the capacity now to walk in the spirit. If so be that Christ, if so be that the spirit of God dwells in you, and at what point does this happen? I mean, at what point does the spirit of God dwell in a man? The scripture says in first John, I think chapter 5, it says that when a man confesses God. I mean confesses Christ, God lives in him. So at the point of confession of Christ, you have God's spirit in you. And now you are already in the spirit. That is, you are in the circumference. You are in the coverage of the Holy Ghost. That is, you are receptive to the Holy Ghost. Now you can receive the Spirit. You no, know, when Christ was talking about the Holy Ghost, he said, look, the Holy Ghost is for you because it should be with you, it will be in you. But the word cannot Receive it because they do not see him, but now you will receive because he lives in you. So, in Christ Jesus, the Holy Ghost comes to tabernacle. But then it's not just enough that you are you have the Holy Ghost or you have filled with the Holy Ghost, you have got to be immersed to be buried in him. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, verse 9 again, he so be that the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, is not of his. In other words, what empowers a man to live the life of the spirit that is that he is saved, because we come into Christ when we believe in the atonement well, work. Second Corinthians chapter five verse seventeen: If a man is in Christ, he is a new creature. All things passed will be good. It becomes. Remember, in other words, there is a circumference called in Christ. There is a space in Christ. And there's another reality outside of Christ. So how does a man comes into the spirit? He comes when he stands in Christ, when he receives Christ. But there are other dimensions you have got to pray for. And even in Romans chapter 7, verse 25, as Apostle Paul was running off the whole account there, he said, look, I can serve God. With the law of my mind. I can so give attention. That I allowed my spirit to overpower my flesh. And that's the goal of God for you. And the fact is that most times we lose focus on God. Because of the issues around us. Because you have bills to pay, because you have businesses to attend to, because we are so busy sometimes. So we keep our eyes off the master. We keep our eyes off the word of God. But then the goal of God is that a believer should be perpetually thinking of God, thinking of his word, thinking of how to please him, thinking of how to stay around him. So we walk in the spirit by paying attention to the spirit of God. We give our mind to the spirit, for we use this mind in connecting. And we we connect by making God to think through us and to 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 to, to, to express his nature through us. And the best way to be effective in this to do that consistently. First, Timothy chapter 4, 10 to 16. See what Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy. And from these scriptures, I want to show you the power of consistency. This is a lifestyle. This is how you're supposed to live your life. In other words, this walking in the spirit is not just... An habitual thing, as it were, or something you do coincidentally or per chance, is what your life should perpetually be set to for, or be sent thanks to. Now look at what Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy. First Timothy, first Timothy, chapter four, verse ten to sixteen is a very long portion. Of it. We are going to be reading. For therefore we both labour and suffer reproach because we trust in the living God. Now check the word trusting the living God. That's another term. Who is the savior of all men, especially of those that believe? So I believe in him. So I keep relying on him. So I keep depending on him. These things command and teach. Let no one despise thy youth. Be thou an example of believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. Staying pure, being chaste, being a person of integrity. Promoting justice, promoting truth. Be an example of believers in the way you speak. Choose your word from the word of God. Be positive in your thinking. In the way you talk. In the way you demonstrate love. Verse 13. Till I come, give attention to reading, to knowledge, to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee, which was given thee by the prophecy, with the laying of hands of the. Pre, prebesteria verse 15 meditate upon these things give the self totally the scripture says only to them that thy profiting may appear to all take it of the self unto the doctrine continue in them for in doing this thou shalt save those that hear thee and thou shalt save the self now let me do your attention to a few things from the scriptures number one is meditation it's very fundamental. Pondering on the word of God. Number two is concentration and consecration. Give yourself only to what? To the reading of those scriptures. And the scripture, says, the scripture says that when you do these two things, say your profit will appear to all. It will be observed that really... You are getting a master in God. Then another thing he says is that be careful of thyself. Don't be careless. Don't be loose. Be disciplined. Don't lose your brain. Take heed to yourself. Be careful how you talk. Be careful what you preach and how you go about living your own life too. And onto your dot in your teachings, your emphasis, your value system, your convictions, your impressions, your notions. Continue in those your convictions, the things you have found out in the gospel, continue in them, and in doing this, thou shalt save thy soul. That's how you you really walk in, in the in the in the in the fit Christ had brought you into. So consistency matters here. Yeah. And that was why Christ was called Peter for his inconsistency. At first he said, hey, you are the son of God. And at the other time, he said, oh, no, 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 you will know that. And Christ said, look, guy, you are not wise because you are not consistent. You are unstable. And James said, look, let him that is not stable, I mean, that is unstable in his way, think that he is going to have something meaningful from God. There are other scriptures I would have wanted us to see. Like that, Matthew chapter 16, when Christ asked him, what had man said about him? And it was Peter that said, Look, you are the Christ too. But at other time he would deny him. Such as Matthew chapter 14. He asked him to walk on water. I walked on water. And after a while, he lifted his attention. And he started to sink. Now, let me show you two more scriptures, then we will pray. Galatians chapter 5, you want to see the works of the flesh and the work of the spirit. You want to see what your life ought to look like. You want to see the picture of yourself in the light of God's word. We're going to read from verse 13. For brethren, you have been called unto liberty, that liberty is the grace of God that brings about salvation, that teaches us to deny ungodliness. That will not permit me to explain that. Only use not liberty for an occasion of the flesh. Do not just let that freedom be that you want to live like you are. You want to live without laws. In fact, what men call freedom is bondage. And what they call bondage is actually the freedom they are looking for. So let the law of Christ guide your mind. Don't use it as an occasion for the flesh. But by love serve one another. For all the laws fulfilled in one world. Even in this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as the self. Now, let me jump to, let me go to 16. Then I say then work in the spirit. Not just live there. Work in it. Now, to work means to move in with. To be on motion with. To continue with. To get along with. To stay close by. To keep in touch with. To stay around. To stay attuned with to walk in the spirit, and you will not fulfill. Now, fulfillment to bring to pass, to do, to accomplish, to play along with the inordinate affections, with the inordinate appetite of the flesh. Now, this flesh is the inner nature of man that your human nature will not rule you any longer when you give in to the Holy Ghost. And now, Apostle Paul is not vague. Yet. He knows what he's talking about. He began to measure categorically what those lusts are. For the flesh lost, that is, have an inordinate affection against the Spirit. And the Spirit desires something contrary to what the flesh desires. For these are contrary one to another. So that you cannot do the things that you would. So there's something that controls the natural man that should not control you again. And that's why you need to yield yourself to God. But if you are led by the Spirit, verse 18, you are not under the law. Now, the works of the flesh, this is what the flesh does. We cannot say the flesh is a spiritual substance. It is the nature of the man that is not regenerated. It's the nature of the man that does not come into the constitution with God. Uh, but this is the work of the flesh. And at which I'm i going to read the scriptures from another version of the scriptures. So that we can see the simplicity and the clarity of this fact. That God is confronting us with. That the life of a man is not to be like this ought not to look like this. Now, the works of the flesh or the activities of the flesh or the traits of the human nature is this one adult fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, adultery, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, rod, strife, seditions, and errors, envying, murders, drunkenness, revilings, and such like of which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do those things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, what should your life look like? Verse 27. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such the original law. And dead after Christ have crucified the flesh with their affections and loss. If you live in the Spirit let us also walk in the spirit now how do you live in the spirit you live in the spirit by coming into christ but now you have got to walk in the spirit by keeping in touch with him now he said let us not be desirous of vainglory provoking one another in heaven now, i want to show you with more clarity the flesh in romans chapter one apostle paul mentioned some other things that are not included in romans in galatians chapter five so i, I feel it is necessary We will see this Verse 21, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their thoughts, and became vain in their imagination, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they become fools, and changed the glory of the, inc- the uncorrupted God into an image made like to corruptible man, and to birds, and to four-footed beasts, and to creepy things. What well, the scripture is saying there is that adultery is the work of the flesh. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lost, inordinate affection of their own eyes. So, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, lesbianism, fornication, sleeping with somebody who is not your wife, fondling somebody, or, or, or trying to violate somebody that is not legally married to you. Work of the flesh. Will change the truth of God into a lie and worship and serve the creature more than the creators, who is blessed forever, making all that things to drive your attention above God. Be driven by fashion, by entertainment, by what have you, other than God. For this God, God gave them up unto vile affections. So the flesh is vile affections, vain affections, vanities. Things that cannot hold for eternity, that does not count for eternity. For even their woman did change the natural use into that which is against nature, unnatural living, living on drugs, cocaine, weeds, and all other hard drugs. Okay? And likewise, also men, living the natural use of women, born in their lust, one toward another, men with men, walking that which is unseemly, And receiving themselves the recompense of their errors which is made lesbianism, homosexualism, pedophiles, incest, rape, and all forms of sexual immoralities that are the works of the flesh. And all these are the reason why God is judging the nations of the earth. Now, verse 28, and even as they did not retain, did not like to retain God in their knowledge. Now, to retain means to keep God. To retain means to meditate on. To retain is to accept, to receive God. To retain is to to acknowledge, to identify, to submit. As they will not retain God in their knowledge. You can learn every other thing, but when it comes to the subject of God, you are always angry. When it comes to the scriptures, you are always mad at the people who who, who, who bring the scriptures to you. They did not like to rethink God in their knowledge. God gave them over to a reprobate man to do those things which are not convenient. Being filled with all unrighteousness. Now, it's explaining what unrighteousness is. Fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, disputes. In other words, aimless arguments, deceit, mal- malignity, whisperers, by biters, haters of God. Despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedience to parents, without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affections, implacable, unmerciful, who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of it, not only do the same, but the pleasure of the pleasure, but have pleasure in them that do it. So to walk in the spirit, to walk con- is to walk contrary to all of these highlights from the scriptures. And as you do that, you have got to keep your attention on God. Galatians chapter three, verse one says that if then you are risen with Christ, you have got to keep your mind. Where yeah, Christ is seated. So we begin to see that your problem is not anger. It's not that you are quick tempered it's not that you have some impure thoughts you can't control it's not that um you just have slave for people of the opposite sex it's not that you can't just stop taking these drugs it's not that you are just not it's just natural of you to criticize others and castigate them your challenge is that you are too proud to submit to the living of the holy ghost Well, those things are your own explanations. I mean, your reasons for not actually doing all that which God had called you to do. Those are your reasons why you have not been able to to submit to the leading of the Spirit. But here today, I'm telling you, there is a new living way. God says, you can walk with me. I have made the provisions for you. I have even qualified you for it. All you have got to do is to submit yourself. So the Lord is inviting you. Our life is in the spirit. I wish the Holy Ghost can give me more scriptures. But there I tell you there is no other life you can live. Except the life of God. This is the way. This is the life Christ came to bring. His name is life and the life is the life of man. I have come to give life and life abode and life to live the supernatural life. To live above nature. live above your reasonings and this is where peace and life lies to god's calling you there is a need for constant dependency and there's nothing you want to pray today that will request that father will help you to keep focus, to keep attention on him that nothing will take your attention off him peter sank the moment he lifted his attention from christ the people were beaten by the snake, as soon as they keep looking at those little ones that were biting them, and uh, and and they lifted their eyes off from the copper one Moses has put on the rock. And Christ told us in in, in, in John chapter 3 that as the serpent gave life to those who were in the wilderness, in the same way whoever ever look to Christ will be saved. Maybe you've been thinking of psychoanalysis, you've been thinking of um Christian science your mind you, you 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 believe that if you can think it you can always have it or you believe that well if you can empty evil thoughts in your mind you can then be okay with God you are filled you need the Holy Ghost that's the part of error that's the part of deception without the Holy Ghost there's no Christian life without the Holy Ghost there's no good kind of life so say Holy Ghost I depend on you once again stay in me a desire we will not hear that about a passion and a drive that constantly I will keep attention on your world. Daily I will keep attention on your world. That nothing yet, nothing not, nothing, else will matter to me. Nothing yet will dissuade me from keeping focus. Apostle Paul said I am persuaded that neither life nor death nor principalities nor nakedness nor angels nor things to come nor things that are gone nor depths will be able to separate me from the love of God. Pray for a new dimension of the revelation of God's love in your heart. The love that is unaffected by nothing. The love that is indifferent to nothing. The love that keeps his affection burning. Father, we receive grace. We receive the discipline of the Spirit. Help us, dear Jesus. Help us to keep our attention on you. In the name of our Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name. Father, thank you for the truth you've revealed to us. Thank you because you are showing all that there are dimensions in you. There's a dimension where we came into the fold by grace. And yet there there is still another dimension whereby We walk with the Spirit. We live in the Spirit. And we are immersed in the Spirit. We know we received the Holy Ghost the day we came into Christ. The day we are convinced that Christ's atonement is for us. But yet we still realize that there is another powerful work. Which is enabled by the Holy Ghost. There is the anointed experience in God. Father, this is what we long for. That we will rise in this arm of faith by the help of the Holy Ghost that will draw us closer. That you will make your word to come alive in our spirit as never before. That there will be an insatiable hunger, a desire, a pant after your word. That our soul once again will be quickened to see the reality of your word and to pursue it with all passions in the name of our Lord Jesus. Thank you for this moment, Father. In the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen.